So much has happened in our election law here in North Carolina. So we just thought we'd recap it all for y'all because the primary is coming up really soon. Early voting starts on February 13th, less than a month away. Let's just get everybody up to speed and ready to get voting. First big change is that there will be no photo ID at the primary. So on December 31st, District Court Judge Loretta Biggs issued a 60-page order blocking the new strict voter ID law in North Carolina. And in her order, Judge Biggs made it clear that the voter ID requirement should be stopped with respect to any election unless otherwise ordered by the court. Which was like, cool. But then, of course, you know, our happiness couldn't last. Why would it? (laughs) Because our attorney general then decided that he had to appeal that decision. And this, this like sounds like a weird thing, but there's a part of the attorney general job that's called, quote, duty to defend which is with respect to the law that's written. And since the ID law had been, you know, it was all set in stone and had passed by the General Assembly last year, it's in his job description, basically to appeal a court decision like this, especially since it's a district court, right? So we don't know what his goal is, but we'll see it play out up in higher courts now. And we would hope that the merits of this case will show that basically what Judge Biggs was saying, that it's discriminatory and it should stay out. Yeah. So where we are now is at the 2020 primary in March, you will not be asked to show ID unless you're doing something like using same day registration or if you're a new voter in the county and your voter registration couldn't be verified any other way, which is just normal stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. It's always been that way. Just new voter type of thing. So that's good. Yeah. Just something, I guess, more specifics if you like to get in the weeds about this ID law situation. So this injunction by this district court applies to, like I said, the law itself, not the constitutional amendment that we voted on in 2018. Yeah. And so I guess it's just important to know the difference because um, we'll mention later that there are a few other court cases happening that are pointed at different parts, right? Some is the law, some is the constitutional amendment. And so this one is about the law itself because back in 2018, of voters approved the amendment uh, saying that we shouldn't state an ID, but it was like really vague. And it just said that the state constitution would require photo ID, but you know, it didn't have any of the details that they had to then pass later in the law, but it happened by a lame duck general assembly, which was just pretty hasty and didn't, if you've been following along and if you've been talking with us, you know that it didn't work well because rules had to be redone. Basically, the first try, first go around was too difficult, so they had to redo it. So, you know, this is just one of the reasons why it's like pulling teeth trying to get through this whole ID situation. So stay tuned, I guess. So also, while the court's injunction is in place, free voter IDs are no longer going to be available from our county's board of elections. So as a part of the voter ID law, the General Assembly mandated that local election offices in all 100 counties provide the photo IDs for free to voters who need them. But at the beginning of the year, the State Board of Elections told the county directors that they should immediately stop issuing free ID cards to avoid confusion. Yeah. So essentially, I mean, it is a bummer that they're not free anymore, but they're thinking, okay, it's not required for the primary. So let's not make basically the big deal that we were making before. Yeah. In order to make sure that people aren't freaking out trying to get their free ID because they don't need it February and March. And hopefully, I I guess hopefully this also helps counties hold on to some money that they were going to be using for this that they can use in better ways for election. For other resources. Mm -hmm. 
So as you all have probably seen by now, the voting maps for the NC House and Senate, as well as the U.S. House Congressional District, have completely changed for the 2020 elections. Mm -hmm. So they got redrawn this year based upon, you guessed it, more court rulings. (laughs) (laughs) But they will be redrawn again following this year's census. That happens every 10 years. So there are two things that are important about this. One, thanks to these new maps that we're voting on this year, certain leaders that we maybe have voted for or against in the past just may not be on the ballot because they would either have to move or some folks actually aren't running because they don't think they can win, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is that this year, the people who we decide to elect in 2020 and start working for us in 2021 will be drawing the next maps, right? So it's it's pretty important yeah. <laughs> that the people we elect this year, you know, believe in fair redistricting. So if you want to just double check your districts, because you might be in a different district or your current representative may be in a new district now, right? So you may have a different person. So just check yourself at demnc.co slash lookup. And that's where you look up, you know, your registration status, which tells you where you're registered at, which address, and you can find your sample ballot, but it'll show you all your districts from, you know, judge to local county stuff to, of course, these congressional, you know, state and federal so that you can see who you're voting for. How nifty. I know, right? <laughs> Don't you love to learn? We do. So this next one is exciting, but you all already know about it because obviously we've talked about it plenty of times, but after a full summer of grassroots advocacy that generated like thousands of phone calls, emails, and in-person visits, all to support early voting options for working voters, lawmakers passed the bipartisan S-683. So this bill changed the mandatory weekday early voting hours to 8 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. and also restored the popular last Saturday of early voting. Yay! So in addition to other weekend options in many counties, on Leap Day, February 29th, working voters will be able to take advantage of uniform Saturday voting hours 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. in all 100 counties in North Carolina. So that's a win. It's a win. It's exciting. Everyone's able to vote on that last Saturday, which in the past, you know, our research shows most people go to because as I've said on this podcast before, we're all procrastinators. Just stay with me. We just, we we just wait. We just take too long. (laughs) but going to early voting and voting early is is the best thing you can do because even if you think you're solid you could go to vote and something could be wrong you know admin error if anything something tiny could could just mess up your registration and so you'll always be able to fix it during early voting so why not right why not so take advantage of these amazing new hours that we worked so hard for You know, 8 a.m. to 7.30 p.m., that means that you can go after work, after dinner even. You know, those a little bit late extra is is pretty helpful. So So much time. We love that. So there are a few things that are still kind of up in the air right now. Right. As we just talked about, the federal district court judge, Loretta Biggs, found the ID law to be discriminatory. And while the court may disagree at trial this summer, in her injunction that she just put out, She stated that she found parts of the voter ID law were, quote, impermissibly motivated, at least in part, by discriminatory intent, end quote, just like the last one in 2013. And Biggs also wrote that, quote, the legislature has continued to violate both the Voting Rights Act and the Constitution. Powerful undercurrents of racial discrimination and racial polarization have historically pervaded North Carolina's political climate and still do. 
end quote. That's pretty intense. Yeah. Right? She's, she's coming out really strongly. She's pretty much saying that back in 2013, when there was the first shot at voter ID that was from 2013 and then only implemented in the 2016 primary, she's saying that a lot of the same people have been involved mm-hmm. and it's been a lot of the same intent which has to do with discrimination and just suppressing certain people's votes. This law is racist. (laughs) I don't know. I feel slightly empowered that she came out in such full force. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes it feels like, oh, maybe it is, or maybe it isn't, or where's the research on it? You know, Mm-hmm. It it feels it feels good to hear someone take this really intense stance that yes it's racial and we can't be continuing <laughs> to yeah. try to put forth laws like this. Yeah. And so while she has made a strong case against the ID law in its current form, you know the way that it is currently written, even with all the changes that we tried to get done during rulemaking, it still remains to be seen whether the ID law will be in place for the 2020 general election in November. So like we said earlier, thankfully, the appeal is going to happen during the summer because the attorney general doesn't want to mess with the primary because it's coming up so soon. But there are other lawsuits going on. So there's a federal lawsuit against the ID law, which is the North Carolina NAACP versus Cooper, our governor, and that will likely be heard this summer. And then in in our state, we've also got one that will probably be heard by our state Supreme Court, Holmes versus Moore. And another that's challenging the constitutional amendment behind the law, which is NAACP versus Moore. That second one will probably be heard at the NC Court of Appeals. So this is all to say that the fate of the ID law remains uncertain for 2020. (laughs) And that, you know, it's, as you said, it's up in the air. It's totally possible it could come back for the general and we're going to have to do a bunch of work over the summer to make sure everyone's got ID and is educated about it. You know, it's all this back and forth that kind of sucks, right? (laughs) Like it will be a huge bummer if it gets reinstated for the general because we'll have made sure everyone knows it wasn't in place for now. And then we'll have to do a bunch of work to make sure people know it's in place for the general. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm like crossing my fingers, I guess. (laughs) I guess. What else can we do? (laughs) I know, right? Another FYI is your voting status may have changed. And that's because more than like 500,000 North Carolina voters were removed from the voting rolls during 2019. And that included like 2,800 active voters, 570,000 inactive voters, and 241 temporary voters. So in total, that's a drop of 574,698 voters. Half a million That's so many. That's not okay. (laughs) Okay, so we know that this is the biggest single-year removal of voters in North Carolina history. It's aggressive. Aggressive, to say the least. And that's only falling behind Georgia's 591,000. So, like, oh, we missed the mark by, like, 15. That they purged back in July 2017, which was the biggest at that time. So, you know, you can see a pattern, 2017-2019. The off years are just naturally years for purges because less people vote in off years. We know that. Yeah. However, it shouldn't be this big. 
because when Alyssa, when you listed those off, you know that the bulk of it was inactive voters. People can go inactive if they miss like one presidential election, right? Yeah. But so say, you know, a lot of people in 2016 were unfortunately just not pumped and people abstained from voting in 2016 because they were like, I hate everyone. That doesn't mean that they're not going to vote again now. Like it's just, exactly. it's not, it's not a great practice. So our research team looked into it and we know that demographically, the big bulk of people who were removed were largely Native Americans and Black men. And so there being that kind of disproportion also feels bad. You know, we don't have any evidence, nor do we really have the time to look into if there was, you know, discriminatory intent behind the purge. But regardless, we know that we have to pay attention to this and everyone needs to be vigilant about checking their registration. Exactly. Exactly. It's just so important that we are helping voters check the registration before they vote in the 2020 primary, which starts February 13th. And it's also just important to make this a habit ahead of every election. Mm -hmm. And that folks are early voting because you can register for the first time or you can fix any issues that occur just to ensure that you get a chance to cast your ballot and that everything's good. This safety net can just make sure that eligible voters who are removed can still make their voices heard, even if they don't know they were purged from the rolls in the first place. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I had a, a friend tell me that her parents have lived here in Charlotte for pretty much forever and they went to vote and they just weren't on the rolls. And, you know, they, they didn't know why that happened. These folks are black um, and they have been voting. She said in the big, you know, in the big elections, they may not be intense and off years, but that's the thing. You may think that you're fine. And so you go on election day, but you're not there, exactly. especially with this big purge that happened throughout 2019. So in 2020, we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be prepared. So use that lookup tool, demnc.co slash lookup. You know, you type in your first and your last name, pick yourself out of people who may have the same first and last name as you, find your middle name, find your location. Because when you open that up, you can see where you're registered at, like the correct address. And it'll also say underneath that active or inactive. So helpful. So nifty. Right. So if it says inactive, you know, that's a that's a flag right there. You're like, I for sure got to go during early voting because it says I'm inactive. So I may not be on the rolls when I show up. Exactly. And you know, what did it say? Over 2000 active voters. I don't know. You could be one of those people in that 2000 that just, you don't know why those active voters got removed. That could be you. Check your registration. I'm not trying to scare you listeners. I know I sound like kind of intense right now. We just but... really want you to vote really bad. And we don't want you to get there and be excited and ready and you're like educated, you looked everyone up and then it just not. You're about to get the sticker, oh, well. take a picture with it. And then you can't. <laughs> but of course, if a problem arises, we do want you to tell us about it, which is why we have our voter hotline, 888-OUR-VOTE. Call us anytime with your problems. We must know it helps us fix it if we can. We're tight with all those county boards. We call people up. We get that stuff done. 888-HOUR-VOTE. And actually, new and improved, you can also text the hotline. Yeah, we what? love that. We love that. Increasing our technology. So if you just are unable to call, please text us instead. Ooh. So check your registration, early vote, and keep helping us create a North Carolina that's built by us. And thank you for listening to this podcast of By and For the People. Bye. Connect with us on social media. 
You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at DemocracyNC. Or you can visit our website at democracync.org.